0: Praise God. Let me say again what a pleasure it is to be part of this great convention. All of you that are here tonight. I especially appreciate Brother Walker. No one has anything even remotely approaching the Bible quiz program of the United Pentecostal Church. Not the Baptists. Methodists, Episcopals, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, nobody. The Nazarenes, nobody. We have the finest Bible quiz program in the entire world. It's the truth. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you that's the truth. We've checked it out. People are coming to us for advice. How do you do it? How do we do it? They buy our materials. They want to know how we do it. How do you get kids so involved in the Word of God? Well, the first thing you have to do is get Marvin Walker. A man of his dedication has made all the difference, and I appreciate that dedication. And if you want a ministry in your church that will change young people, you need to be here tomorrow to hear this man talk about the ministry, and that's what it is, a Bible quizzing appreciate so much what I feel here tonight I want to preach the right thing tonight and I don't know if what I'm feeling is what you're expecting but I want to preach the right Thing tonight. I want to read from 2 Samuel chapter 13. I am a mass of emotions here tonight. I feel something very deep and very important in the Spirit tonight that God wants to say something to us through His Word. 2 Samuel chapter 13. Thank you for standing. And it came to pass after this that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon the son of David loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar for she was a virgin and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea. David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man, but Amnon had a friend. I want you tonight, before I preach, to pray for me. I have no desire to be distasteful tonight, out of order. I I don't want to say anything the wrong way, and what I feel on my heart to preach about could very easily be presented in the wrong way. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be lewd, but I want to be plain. And I want to tell you the truth. I want you to understand what the Spirit would say through this Word. And I need the Lord's help. Would you pray for me and with me right now in the name of Jesus? I desperately need You, Jesus. I ask for a special anointing tonight. Help me preach Your Word, O God. Let my words, O Lord, be anointed with Your Spirit. Until they become your words tonight. I pray you'd quicken my mind to select the right expressions. I want to say it properly, Lord. I want to say it plainly, but I want to say it properly. Help me do it, Jesus. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for what we feel tonight. Thank you for what you're doing to us tonight. Thank you for what you're going to do before this service is over. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amnon had a friend. God bless you. You may be seated. Amnon was a king's kid. He was a son of David, king of Israel. Amnon lived in the palace, enjoyed all of the privileges of royalty. He was a king's son. He was very probably, at the opening scenes of my sermon tonight, a teenager. Feeling all the things that teenagers feel. And one day, Amnon realized that he had fallen in love with his sister, more correctly, his half-sister, Tamar. She too was a king's kid. She also was a child of David. And though they shared fathers, they did not share mothers. So they were half-brother and half-sister. I want to hasten to tell you that there was nothing illicit about Amnon's love for Tamar. Today, of course, it would not be acceptable, it would not be proper for a half-brother and sister to be in love, to marry. But in this day long ago, it would have been acceptable. We find from the Word of God that later Tamar herself said, If you'll ask our father David, he will allow us to marry. There was nothing wrong with Amnon loving Tamar. And certainly nothing wrong with her reciprocating that love and loving him too. Nothing wrong with this emotion called love that a young man and a young lady will feel for one another. Nothing wrong with the physical attraction between the sexes. That, that was given us by God. Nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. To fall in love with a beautiful young lady or a handsome young man, or even if they're not beautiful and handsome. To fall in love with them and to marry and begin a family and to walk through life hand in hand is a design of God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing. It brings happiness to the life of any person who falls in love. In fact, I hope every one of you that are single here tonight, I hope every one of you before this convention is over finds you a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I mean, I hope the boys find a girlfriend and a girl finds the boyfriend. That's, That's what I meant. Can't be too careful nowadays. I hope you find them here or somewhere like this. I hope you're not shopping out yonder in the world looking for a life companion. This is where you need to find that young lady or that young man to share your life with. They need to be filled up with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, living a godly life before you even consider a relationship. In fact, i got news for you. Don't even look on the back rows. Just write them off. Find you one up here in the front that knows how to pray and how to worship God and glorify the Lord. Pick you one that's kind of danced up and down the aisles a little bit. Be sure her hair isn't cut. No makeup on her face. Her clothes are right. I'm telling you, get you one that loves God.
1: You'll never regret it.
0: Hallelujah. Don't get some guy slumped down in his seat with a white Miami Vice jacket on and two days stubble on his chin and a gold chain around his neck. Get you somebody that loves the Lord.
1: This is your life you're talking
0: about. It's the plan of God. It's the plan of God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing when you find that one and fall in love and it is of god even the physical attraction is of god the feelings that you have they were placed there by god and they are not wrong and illicit but under the sanction of holy matrimony they are designed by god for our benefit they're beautiful they're good but they are also very powerful. I don't believe that Amnon's feelings for Tamar was puppy love. I don't believe it was infatuation. I believe it was the real thing. I believe it because the Bible says so. The Bible says that Amnon loved Tamar. He loved her. He really loved her. That tells me that what began in the heart of Amnon was good and pure and lovely. That it was of God and blessed of the Lord. But somewhere along the line, Amnon lost the battle of the mind. And failing to control his imagination... Failing to let the Spirit of God control his mind, he lost the battle. And that love that he felt that was beautiful and pure became an obsession. And he found himself not wanting to be with the other young people and share a laugh and share a good time with them and with Tamar. But he found himself plotting and scheming for some way he could always just get Tamar off alone. Because what was in his heart and in his mind was not right for that point in their relationship. But it began to dominate his thoughts. His desire for her became the consuming process of his mind. Every day all he could think about was Tamar. Every day the only thing that filled his mind was Tamar. And that love that became an obsession that drove a wedge into his life finally degenerated into something very ugly and very destructive. For his love became obsession. And obsession became lust. And Amnon lusted after Tamar. I'm going to tell you tonight, God blessed you with those feelings. But then he gave you the Holy Ghost that you might have control over your mind. Lose the battle of the mind! Your brain is invaded with 2,400 impulses every day from a world that has lost its way in one long cesspool of immorality for your mind, for your thought processes, for your heart. It's all right. Everybody's doing it. It's all right if you really love each other. It's all right. Don't be so old-fashioned. I'm telling you the Bible is still true. And the Word of God is forever. And it's not all right. I've seen good young people young people that loved God. They were not low. They were not some debased uh, uh, attitude of life in them. They were good kids and they really loved God and they really had the Holy Ghost but they lost the battle for the mind and they allowed was designed to be beautiful, what was designed to bring happiness, what was designed to bring joy into the life, and it was twisted and turned and changed into something very ugly, and it finally began to poison everything. those castles in the air. Quit dwelling on those thoughts that the devil places there. Understand what is happening in your life. The Bible says he grew physically ill. And something that was to bless him became a curse to him. Oh, I feel like preaching this tonight. And yet, I admire Amnon. I really do. I admire him because he stayed true to his principles. Even though he lost the battle of the mind, he clung to victory in the war. Because the Bible says she was a virgin. And though he lusted for her, he thought it wrong to do anything to her. And though it made him physically ill, though the battle that was raging in his heart literally tore him inside until he was physically sick. He would not touch her. He would not do wrong. He knew better. He had been raised in the palace of a man after God's own heart. He understood what was right. He knew the words of the law. He had been trained by a good pastor. He had loving parents. He knew what was expected and he stayed true to his principles. I've got good news for you tonight. Not everybody's doing it. Not everybody's taking drugs. Not everybody's lying and cheating. Not everybody's out on the lovers' lanes. There's some young people here tonight that are being true to what they believe and are standing for what's right. In fact, I respect any young person today that lives for God. And I'm not here to bash you. And I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to take my hat off to you. If you're still struggling in the battle and you haven't given in yet and you're still living righteous, godly, soberly, in this generation, my hat is off to you. In a day with 19% of American young people have tried cocaine, when 70% say that they have used alcohol, when 90% say they have experimented with either drugs or alcohol, when 40% of the young uh, girls and 60% of the young men that graduate from high school this year will have lost their purity. I'm telling you I am glad for Pentecostal young people that are staying true to what God has given us. And my word for you tonight is very simple. It doesn't matter how tough it gets. It doesn't matter how bad you feel. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what others do. It doesn't matter who understands and who doesn't. You'll be true. You'll be faithful. And God will take care of you. If you'll hang in there, it'll be all right.
1: I do feel like I'm preaching to somebody that's about to buckle under the pressure
0: that this world has offered you. I've got a word for you. Hang on. Just hang
1: on. A little bit longer. God's going to come to your rescue. It's going to be all right.
0: You might be dreading Monday morning back at the schoolhouse what they're going to say about their beer parties and their pot parties and what they did on Saturday night. And you have to tell them, I went to a Pentecostal youth convention. But I'm going to tell you, be true. Hang in there. God sees what you're doing. It'll be all right. And you will never regret The day you die, or until Jesus comes, that you were faithful and true to what you knew to be right. You've got a good pastor that loves you enough to tell you the truth. You probably got good parents that love you enough to take you to church. Hang in there, Hamnana. Hang in there, Hamnana. It's gonna be alright. In fact, I believe that even though it was tough, he was true. Even though he was ill, he was faithful, he would not touch her. But I'm sorry to tell you that ultimately, Amnon did fail. And a great tragedy that it was. Though he had something in his heart that he knew what was right, And he was faithful, even when it wasn't convenient. He failed miserably. He fell in probably the most heinous sin a man can commit. He brought division to all of Israel and finally his own death came about because of what happened in this relationship with Tamar. He was hanging in there. The struggle was on, the battle was hot and tough. But he was, he was still hanging on. He wouldn't touch her. He wouldn't touch her. He was going to hang on. And you know what? Time will help. And God will work. And if you'll just hang on, even if you've lost the battle of the mind, don't let the devil tell you if you think about it, you might as well do it. If you desire it, you might as well do it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It is not a sin to be tempted. He was tempted, but he didn't give in. He wanted it,
1: but he would not give in.
0: So what was it that caused Amnon to fail? To be lost? To bring tragedy and shame upon his father's house? He was hanging in there, but... Amnon had a friend. He failed because of his choice of friends. He lost out with God because of the people he hung around with. He lost his soul because... He chose the wrong friends. I want to tell you tonight, I want you to understand something. Thank God for youth convention. Thank God for youth uh, camps. Thank God for youth programs in the local church. Thank God for pastors that love kids. Preach to them, love them, teach them right, raise them right. Thank God for parents that raise their kids in the church. But I'm going to tell you what it's going to boil down to. Teenagers, young adults, listen to me. Whether you make it or you don't make it. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost. Whether you go to heaven or burn in hell to a large degree will be determined by the kind of friends that you gather around you, the kind of people that you allow in your life, the kind of advice that you listen to, the influences that you allow in your everyday life, will determine your eternal destiny. There comes a time, and I'm just going to preach the truth to you. There comes a time, being a teenager or a young adult, we want to break away from our parents. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way we're made. And so parents begin to lose their influence on us. They're usually first supplanted by teachers at school. But then there comes a time where we move away from the influence of our teachers. Oftentimes it's that pastor in our young years, Sunday school teachers, that will exert great influence. But there comes that moment, when by wanting to exert our independence, our own personality, we begin to break away from all of the older folks that had an influence in our lives. And the tragedy is the friendships that you have built up until that time. Those are the ones who are going to step in the gap and begin to influence your life and choose your direction. My God, pick your friends. Careful let in your life it is not an old fogey idea be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers it did not go out with the model t and the hula hoop i'm telling you it's the good word of god and there's a real reason for it it's important how you're yoked with this world and it doesn't just mean marriage I am not preaching we should live a cloistered life shut away from the world with no opportunity to win them. Ye are the salt of the world. Ye are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hid. But I'm going to tell you there's a line that must be drawn. And when they influence you more than you're influencing them, it's time to draw the line and say, I like you, but I
1: love Him more. I want your friendship, but I want Him more oh help
0: me preach it Jesus help me preach it Jesus oh, yeah. yes we should try to understand them but it is a short step from understanding through excusing through defending and into joining please hear me love the sinner love that young man in your high school love that young lady in your high school love that sinner on your job but hear this preacher tonight we have been called out from this world to have a relationship with jesus christ and except you love me and hate everything else in this world you're not fit to be my disciple he didn't mean we're to hate anybody but he meant there has to come that moment when you say, I'm sorry. What kind of influence are your friends exerting over you right now? The little group that you're sitting with here in this convention, do you feel comfortable to jump up and wave your hands and worship God?
1: Join you when you do it. Oh, Jesus!
0: Or are you with the fingernail clipping, note writing boy watching, girl watching crowd that's sitting back there, slumped in their chairs, and you can't break away enough to worship the God? That you do from your sins. What kind of friends do you have? <laughs> Jesus. 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 And maybe you ought to ask yourself what kind of friend are you? are you bringing them closer to god or are you taking them farther away are you an influence for good or an influence for bad
1: what kind of friend are you
0: Amnon would have made it but he set with the wrong crowd at youth congress he's set with the wrong bunch at church He ran with the wrong crowd at school. He dated sinner girls or sinner boys. He had the wrong friend. And it cost him everything. We're talking about heaven or hell saved or lost and eternity in His presence or cut off from God and I don't care who you have to give up I don't care when you have to tell it no more I don't care when you have to tell her I'm not taking you out again it'll be worth it we're
1: talking about saved or lost oh. Oh.
0: Please be seated. He was walking down, the, walking down the cart of the palace. His face was gaunt. His his eyes were ringed with dark rings. His head was bent over, and he was walking slow. And, and his friend, Jonadab. Jonadab was the son of Shimea. Shimea was one of David's brothers. One of David's rejected brothers. That when the prophet Samuel looked at Shimei, he personally thought, surely this is the one. But God said, no, there's something wrong here. Keep looking. What business did the son of David have hanging out with one of the sons of rejected Shimei? But they were best friends. Hamnon trusted Jonadab. Evidently, he respected him, looked up to him. And they met in the corridor. And Jonadab said, what is the, what is the matter with you? What is wrong with you? You don't look good. Jonadab trusted! Or, or Amnon trusted Jonadab. That's the tragedy of the whole thing! He said, it's Tamar. I love Tamar. And I desire her. But I know it's wrong. And I won't do it. I won't take advantage of her. I won't shame her. I won't bring reproach on my father. I won't do it. But Jonadab gave him one of those cool, worldly, wise smiles. (laughs) where have you been man don't you know these are the 90's what was good for your day was your day things are different now you're a king's kid can't you do anything you want to do you can always get forgiveness, can't you? There's no responsibilities. There's, there, there's no uh, expectations on you. Do your thing. Do what you want. It'll be all right. You're the son of a king. You can do anything you want to do. Nobody can say anything about it. A light beamed in Amnon's eyes. Do you have a plan? Yeah, he's always got a plan. Always has it figured out. Well, I wouldn't let my parents push me around like that, man. Man, that that, at church, man, that's crazy. You go to church all the time, man. You don't think, man. That's stupid. That's dumb. I go to church once a week, or once a month, or once a year, and that's enough. And all that dress and all that holiness stuff and, and that immorality that stuff, man, listen, that, those are a bunch of, they're crazy. They're crackpot. Why, nobody lives like that anymore. i tell you what you do. He said you act like you're sick. It won't be hard. You are. David's going to come in and check on you. When the king comes in to check on you, he's going to ask you what he can do for you. Tell him you'd love to have Tamar come and fix you a little something to eat. Everybody knows you're gone over her. He'll send her in. And when she comes in, grab her. It'll be all right. You see, Jonadab lied. He lied in at least three ways. First of all, he lied and said you're missing something that's worth having. Sin always parades as if it's the best thing in this world. But sin is your deadliest enemy. I want you to understand tonight, I'm going to get pretty plain about Amnon's sin before I'm done. But I don't want you to think I'm just preaching about what Amnon did. That's not all there is to sin. It isn't just what he did. Some of you may not be struggling with that. But it might be some other things uh, that the devil has got a hold of you about. But I want you to know, it's a lie. If God said no, you don't need it. You're not missing anything out there worth having. This is living. This is life at its best. This is where it's at. This is the only thing worth having. I got the Holy Ghost at age 13. I wasn't always the best saint. But I did pretty well live for God from 13 on. I've never been drunk. I've never been high on drugs. I smelled marijuana one time in my life. Didn't know what it was. It was in the stairwell of a hospital until one of the nurses said, Huh, they're smoking pot in the stairwells again. I don't know anything about it. But I've seen them play through by the droves. I've seen them come from every dive, every cesspool, every filthy place in the world. I've seen them come off motorcycle gangs. I've seen them come off bar stools. I've seen them come out of the red light districts. I've seen them come from lying and cheating and stealing and committing adultery. I've seen them come, and I've never heard one of them say, I wish I'd have waited a little longer, but I've heard them all say, Thank God I finally found what I've been looking for all my life. You got the best, there is, right here in the
1: church.
0: The world says it's drinking and cussing, it's tobacco, it's drugs, it's free sex, everything like that is the only thing worth living for. What a lie, what a lie. The only thing you're missing by living for God is the heartbreak and the disappointment and the sorrow and the disease. It's the guilt. And the remorse, it's laying awake at night in your bed, wishing to God you hadn't done it, and wishing there was some way you could relive the night before. But listen to this preacher, you've got everything that's worth having. You've got joy, you've got peace, you got love, you've got happiness, you got light. I've got to hurry. And he lied when he told him that the world owes you. You're a king's son. The world owes you. The world owes you a good time. The world owes you the satisfaction of your every desire. The world, let me tell you something nobody owes us anything. Thank God for churches that have good youth programs, that have gymnasiums and all those things. That's wonderful, and I I hope your church has it. But if it doesn't, it does not excuse you from living for God. I wish every church had a strong, active youth program. But if it doesn't, it doesn't owe you anything. Church does not owe us. We owe the church. We owe the world. Paul said, I am a debtor. And finally, his most deadly lie was when he said "The world, the rules don't count for you. Rules are for other people. Standards are for other people. Lifestyle teaching is for other people. I can do it like I want to do it, but you can't do it and get by. For be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man it that shall he also reap. I hope you'll listen to this preacher tonight. I'm going to try not to preach very long, but I'm doing my best to touch your heart tonight. I want you to know you can't sin and get by. You can't act like the world and get by. You can't dress like them, talk like them, be like them. You can't dabble in sin and hope to escape the soul that sinneth It shall die. And whether you are a king's kid or not, you've got a responsibility to live soberly, righteously, Godly in this generation You know better Quit justifying what you're doing Quit trying to say It doesn't matter Quit looking around for somebody that may not not be living as good as you are and then feeling superior and going on in your sin. We're talking about God who knows everything, who sees everything. You might fool mom, you might fool dad, you might fool the preacher, but you'll never fool God. He knew better, but he had a friend, and he listened to his friend. He lay on his bed and was sick. The Bible says he made himself sick. David, his father, out of compassion, came to check on him. How you doing, man? Oh, Dad, I don't feel good. I'm really sick. Well, oh, man, I, I hate that. What? Is there something I can do? You know, Dad, I was just thinking if if Tamar could come in and just fix me a little something, maybe a little soup or something. David smiled, a knowing smile. He understood. He knew and loved Tamar. I think we can arrange that, son. She came in. She, too, was concerned. Oh, Ammon, you're not feeling good. No. Well, Father said you wanted me to come and fix something for you to eat. Could you come here just a moment first? She leaned over the bed and he grabbed her arm, began to pull her down. She knew. Instantly, she knew. She saw that wild look in his eye. She saw what he was was thinking of. She began to beg him. Please, Amnon. Please. Don't do this thing. Please, Evan. don't bring shame on our Father's house. Please, Evan, please. You don't have to do it. That's the tragedy. Ask our Father. He'll allow us to marry. We can do it right. We can wait. We can do it right. Come on, Evan. Please, Evan. don't do it. But he had a friend. And he listened to his friend. And he was stronger than she was. And he pulled her down to the bed. And Amnon raped
1: Tamar. And when it was over.
0: The Bible says he hated her. So that the hatred that he felt for her was greater than the love he had once had. That which was meant to be beautiful, that which was meant to be holy, that which was meant to be tender, that which was meant to bring blessing, had brought a cursing and planted a hatred that eat into his very heart. And he drug her off the bed. And he shoved her out of the door. And he slammed the door and bolted it behind her. She stood in the hall weeping her shame. Please, Amnon, please, Amnon, get out of here. I never want to see you again. But he really didn't hate Tamar. He hated what he had become. And when He saw her, it brought all of that guilt and all of that remorse. Don't you ever forget this one thing. It's not just sin. You have an enemy. An adversary. He will masquerade. As your best friend. I'm not preaching against people tonight. But I am preaching against the power of sin. And the devil that is out to destroy you. He's called a lot of things in Scripture but nothing more graphic. Than when the, the, the Apostle Peter calls him a roaring lion. Walking about. Seeking whom he may devour. A lion is the most vicious machine on earth. A grown male lion weighs between 350 and 500 pounds. He's nine feet long. He stands three and a half feet tall. He can run 35 miles an hour and see in the pitch black dark. He can run down, leap upon, snap the backbone, and drag away a 600-pound zebra. It would take six men to do what that one lion could do. And I want you to understand he is waiting outside the doors of this building tonight. He's got his eye on you. He's not a toy. He's not a fig of a preacher's imagination. He is your enemy. He is out to destroy you, to devour you. He might meet you in the hallway and tell you it's all right. He might tell you everybody's doing it. He might give you excuses Lord, but underneath the fangs and sharp claws and a pitiless nature that is waiting for an opportunity. And if it hasn't happened, it will happen. Whether it's Amnon's sin or not. Grazing alone for the flock has moved on to some other green pasture. Your head down, lapping up, satiating the hunger that you feel. You don't even sense the slow stealthy approach of that killing machine. You don't even realize what's about to happen until at the last moment that long rush comes. You see him out the corner of your eye. You break into a desperate run. One pleading long bleed comes out of your throat and then he is upon you. A defenseless lamb without any hope and the greatest killer on earth upon you. With one snap of his head he breaks your backbone with one flip of razor-sharp hands. He rips your throat, and your blood gushes out on the ground. With long claws, he tears open your belly, and your entrails gush out, steaming in that little grassy meadow. Crushed, torn, flung there by sin. Wrecked, ruined. He backs up splattered with your blood, and with yellow eyes. He surveys his handiwork. I'm not telling you a fairy tale. I don't want to offend you tonight, but I'm telling you, drugs are waiting for you. Alcohol is waiting for you. Illicit sex is waiting for you. Violence is waiting for you. Immorality is waiting for you, and it's not a toy. He's not seeking games and fun. He's seeking whom He may devour. And with one big gulf after another, the crunching of bones in those powerful jaws... He gobbles up legs. He bites into the bloody torso. He gobbles down the backbone. The skull itself is soon crushed in those powerful jaws. He eats you up. Sin has wrecked many lives before we ever got here. And if we're not on our guard, it will wreck our lives. Two years went by. Two years in which Tamar shut herself in her bedroom, weeping her eyes out day after day. Her shame was so apparent, never would she marry. Never would she be allowed to bear children. She would always be an old maid, sitting alone in the dark, wearing widow's rags, because of what Amnon had done. Amnon walked the halls. Nobody seemed to mind much. Even Absalom, who was Tamar's full brother, met him and shook his hand and smiled and they talked two years. But then one day Amnon was invited to a party. A party given by Absalom. A party in which Amnon was to be the guest of honor. But his guest of honorship went far beyond anything he could ever imagine. For Absalom had given the command, When we've drunk the wine, I'm going to give a signal. And when I do, I want my servants to fall on Amnon. I want him dead. And he gave the signal. And the knives flashed sparkling. in the chandelier of the banquet hall, Amnon gasped out in horror, My God! Absalom, My God, what's going on? And the knives plunged in. His body again and again. His blood gushed out, ran across the marble floor. He fell, writhing, trying to escape. But there was no way out. And the knives did their deadly work. And Amnon kicked the death tattoo out on the marble floor of Absalom's banquet hall. And a runner jumped on his horse and rode post-haste to the throne room of David. He burst in on the king. Oh, my king, horrible news. Absalom has slain all of your sons. Of course, he was mistaken. And someone quickly corrected him. Someone who was not at the banquet. Someone who did not see the knives do their deadly work. Someone that did not see Amnon gasped out his last breath. Someone who had been in the, in the throne room of the king the whole time. Someone who stepped out of the shadows, stepped before King David and said, Oh king, don't be so afraid. Only Amnon is dead. And David looked down to the face of Jonadab, the best friend that Amnon ever had. He was set up from the very beginning. When Jonadab met him in the hallway and gave him the blueprint for tragedy, he knew what the end would be. She's not your friend. Listen to me, young lady. He's not your friend. When he tells you if you really loved him, you would. He's not your friend. When he hands you that joint and says everybody smokes some and it won't hurt ya he's not your friend When he hands you that little dark colored vial and says everybody snorts a little it won't hurt ya he's not your friend he is your worst enemy Look past his good looks look Cast his slick tongue, and you'll see fangs, and you'll see claws, and you'll see yellow killer's eyes. Oh, Amnon, hear me tonight. Sin is not your friend, but sin lies in that bloody clearing, having devoured every shred of your life. until there's nothing left but a tiny piece of an ear. Not even a whole ear, just just a piece of an ear. And a long, gore-covered tongue snakes out of the lion's mouth to lap up the last little piece of decency in your life, the last little shred of humanity of self-respect. The last little bit of reputation, he'll gobble every bit of it down. He'll never be satisfied until he drags you through every cesspool he can get you in. Don't tell me it won't happen to you. It's happened to kids just like you. And it will happen to you. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And that tongue reaches out. And that will be it. It will all be over. But somehow you stumbled in to youth conference. Bakersfield, California, and let me tell you what's going to happen. Out of the bushes, hands reach and grab the head of that old lion. Strong hands, shepherd's hands, nail-scarred hands. Reach out and get a hold of your enemy. And two old adversaries face each other across the shred of a young person's life in a blood covered meadow. Two old adversaries square off again. And Jesus just remains standing. Jesus, Jesus has come. It's at the last moment almost. But he's here now, and he's not afraid. Those are not just nail scars. They're fang marks. They're claw marks.
1: He's already fought a battle for your soul.
0: And if you'll allow it to be the outcome of tonight's struggle, will be the same. And the enemy of your soul will run whimpering back into the jungle from where he came. And the shepherd will carefully search each blade of grass. He will search all through the meadow where the tragedy happened until he only finds a piece of an ear. But the Bible says, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of an ear, he's going to pick it up. And some would say it's too late, but the shepherd says, I'm just in time. For this is no ordinary shepherd, but he holds the shred of a life in his hands and he begins to fashion something from it. He fills the ear and then the head and then the body and then the legs and he breathes life back into that uh, lamb that had been slain by the lion and he picks him up and puts him on his shoulders and he carries him back to the sheepfold again. and then hear me tonight don't listen to your friends listen to another sweet voice that I hear right now I have heard since I have begun you have a friend a real friend who will never let you down, who will never lead you wrong, who will never forsake you, never deceive you, never lie to you, but will be near to you every day that you live. Why don't you come right now? There's not a lot of room. I know that. And everybody can't come. But, oh, Amnon, Quit listening to Jonathan He's lying to you. He's lying to you. Jesus is reaching for you tonight. There may be only the shred of a life left, but He still loves you. He's reaching for you. It's not too late for you. Come on.
1: Come on tonight,
0: before, before Jonadab does his due.